0: You are now now listening listening to the the Inner Circle Circle Podcast Network.
1: Network. That's better. Get them titties out. Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out. Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party naked.
0: Shit happens when you party naked. Get them titties out.
1: Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out.
0: Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party naked. All right,
1: motherfuckers. Welcome. Father fuckers, too, and all you non-binary fuckers, fuckers of people who are undecided. Uh, everybody is a fucker, and you're all welcome to my show. Shit happens when you party naked. I am the host, Jason Almy. And shit's been kind of weird lately. I know, I know you guys know that. I don't need to tell you that. You guys know that. Uh, in fact, I'm sure most of you guys will agree this year has been like looking both ways before crossing the street, only to get suddenly fucked by a moose. It's a little New England humor for New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont listeners. You know, it's the moose jokes. I don't know how well that one will play in California, but we'll see. Um, it's, that's not to say that we haven't been through some tough years in the past, I'm looking at you, 2016. If you don't think losing David Bowie and then Prince in the first half of 2016 wasn't a goddamn nut punch, then you're already dead below the waist. You can fuck right off. Just hit stop on this podcast right now, turn around, and uh, stick the hydroxychloroquine up your own anus, okay? I heard from a very reputable source that it is rectally absorbable. You can take it. You can cram it right up your ass or don't. I don't give a fuck. But shit has been on my mind lately. Shit has been on your mind lately. I know it. If you're listening to this, I know shit's been on your mind. So I got a special episode tonight, one that I have been looking forward to for a while. Even before asking her to come join me on the show, I was thinking, I got to have a conversation about shit. I didn't even know. I didn't even know how much shit we would have to talk about, but there's just a pile of shit now. And um, so I have with me, joining me tonight, I have a uh, university professor from UNH. University of New Hampshire, professor in sociology, Doctor Catherine Moran. How are you doing tonight?
2: I am doing well. How are you doing, Jason?
1: I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing really, really great. Um, so, I was actually going to ask you this like third. This was going to be my third question, but now we're in Zoom, and I'm looking at your face, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at, I'm looking at the wallpaper behind you and I fucking swear to God I thought these I thought the the acid was out of my system like two days ago but I'm fucking having a flashback because this your wallpaper is like moving. It's like watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas your wallpaper. Uh, where is. the fuck did you find that wallpaper? What is going on with that?
2: Uh, where did I find the wallpaper? I found this someplace online. yeah um, I, I kind of live in a crayon box.
1: Yeah, for um, sure. You live in a psychedelic crayon box. I feel yeah. like I'm having a mushroom flashback from New Jersey back in February. Because uh, That's good. That is. I mean, if that's what you're going for with the wallpaper, you fucking nailed it.
2: Well, Amazing. the house is, uh, how old is it? It's 100 um, and, I don't know, 100 and some odd years old, hmm. 120 years old. Um, so I think when you have an old house, you got to do something that's more like, woo, a little yeah. out there to, you know, not have it be stodgy.
1: You got to cover up all that lead paint. I get you.
2: Right I, I on. Feel you,
1: I feel you, you got to cover well, up. Well, I'm not
2: chewing thing. on it anyway.
1: Well, you should try having a 10 month old because, uh, that's like a real concern in my life at this point. I, I didn't feel like that would ever be a worry. I was like, Psh, lead paint, whatever. <laughs> not even. Guess that's what? That guess what? You signed the lead paint clause because I live in a 150 something year old house too. Yeah. yeah. It's just the way it is. Guess what? They yep. painted with lead before like 20 years ago. So
2: I grew up in a house with lead paint and we, my brother and I used to have to go like every three months and have our blood tested. It was really fun as a wow. kid.
1: So you guys took that shit seriously, like way more seriously than I am. I'm like, is that a yeah. Cheerio honey? All right. Well, fuck it. Whatever it is, you swallowed it, it now.
2: sweet? If it tastes sweet and it's a little white dot, don't put it in your mouth.
1: But what if the paint is black or green or yellow? I mean, those are all possibilities, right?
2: They are true. True possibilities.
1: So uh, I didn't actually plan to spend this much time talking about your wallpaper. In fact, I didn't know I was going to talk about your wallpaper at all. But uh, what I really... what i It's a popular
2: topic these days when I'm on Zoom so much. It is, really.
1: Yeah. So I'm not the first. I thought I was like... I'm the witty asshole who's going to mention her wallpaper, but not at all. I'm like the eighth person today.
2: Well, you may be the wittiest of the people. Thank you. I
1: appreciate But there appreciate certainly
2: that. have been some assholes who've asked me about it.
1: Time time will tell whether I am witty or an asshole. Maybe a little bit of both. ¿Por qué no los dos? You know what I mean?
2: Hard saying, not knowing, as they'd say in Maine.
1: Yeah. I'm from Atlanta, so I, I say that in Spanish. That's. I think that's the same saying, though. So, But what I really want to know about, and I know you you prepared me for this. You, I was emotionally mm-hmm. ready to see a new do on the top Indeed. of your noggin. But um, I think even even though you prepared me days in advance, and I was able to really like, don't stare, don't make it weird. You know, I like really gave myself a pep talk the whole way over here to the office and everything. I was like, don't, don't be weird, don't man, don't make any jokes about it. Like, come on, just leave it alone. But you shaved your head. Uh, so I did. Yes, you did that at the start of the COVID thing, right?
2: The very start of the COVID thing. It was, um, I think, like the first week after we knew that we were going to be tucked in and hunkered down for a really long time. And um, it just, it seemed like the right time.
1: Yeah. So it was, Yeah. I mean, I'd
2: thought about doing it for, like I, I had done it years ago. So this wasn't my first yeah. foray into the, you know, the GI Jane.
1: Yeah. So I've been um, growing my hair out since the start of the COVID thing too. I figured it was the right time. I don't have to show up at, at the other office and my boss did not yeah. going to see me. Yeah. So well, it
2: just seems, I don't know. It was, it, it was kind of a practical thing too, that, okay. you know, I, um, I, I've been fairly vain about my hair. Like a lot of people can be, mm-hmm. um,
0: and I not don't know anything necessarily
2: tied really to it, you know, but like, just, we all have our vanities, right? Of course. So, um, it came up and it was sort of like, well, all right, I'm going to be in the house for God only knows how long. And as you knew, right, I, my hair was heavily dyed and it sort of I, changed color. And I
1: did not, I, I didn't make any assumptions. I didn't know. I wasn't going to, you know what? I was taught. Gonna go there. It's not a polite thing to ask. You don't, don't bring sure. it up. So I wasn't, I was going to leave it alone, but.
2: But it it was looks a little like gray these days. Oh yeah, very yeah. gray. Um, But I was hoping what I wanted to do was let it go all white and mm-hmm. then buzz cut it, take it down to the nut, and then have it grow out white. But then the COVID thing, it was like, well, you know, I don't want to like have the line, like the gradually growing line, and then have like five inches of mm-hmm. totally messed up salt and pepper nonsense. Yeah. So it, I woke up one day and and I said to my partner. Are you ready to shave my head? And he went, Yes, I am. And so we got out the video camera, and I sat in the bathtub, and he went. Vroom.
0: Oh, he you
2: down it. my hair.
1: Fantastic! Oh, yeah. You got to video that kind of thing if you're going to do it. You got to yeah. you got to get it on tape. You got to do that. Yeah. Although tape isn't really, I don't know if many of my yeah, younger listeners tape. are going to. Yeah, they're not going to understand that reference at all. They're gonna like tape, like no. duct tape. Um, right. What do you mean, tape? Speaking of vanity, you're talking to a, a former steroid-using competitive bodybuilder. I know oh, all about okay. vanity. I wrote the Encyclopedia Britannica on fucking vanity. I got 26 volumes, and I'm selling it door to door, dressed like a Jehovah's Witness. I know vanity.
2: I gotcha.
1: I'm with you. Um, I hear you. I had to. I had to stop doing those though, and make a baby. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't doesn't work so great. Right. So, uh, my actual first question for you was, why did you decide to pursue a PhD in sociology? Why sociology instead of any of the myriad of other things that you could potentially have studied?
2: Um, Well, it's actually, it sounds like a pat answer, but it's a totally true answer, and it goes back um, super, super many, many years. So at one point, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist. Okay. I don't know why. I had no experience with psychology. Prescribing drugs? No, that would be a psychiatrist.
1: Oh, well, then I'm not interested.
2: Uh, all right, then shut up. Um, but I, um, as an undergrad, I was a psychology and sociology double major. And my first job out of college was um, a job I didn't want to take. It hmm. was an awful interview. It was a loathsome experience. But I was hired working as a mental health counselor in an adolescent psychiatric facility. You
1: mentioned that in the past in yes. your in your class, you did.
2: And it was a uh, state facility. It was run by a private corporation, so one of those fun private Mm -hmm. public things. Um, And a lot of the kids that we had there were in for forensic evaluations to see if they could stand trial for crimes that they had allegedly committed. And other kids had, um, either their families didn't have good insurance for them to be in a private facility or they had reached their lifetime caps on insurance. So we had this really mixed population and it was really kind of a a rough place. But one of the things I noticed pretty quickly was that nearly every single one of the kids who was there, and they were kids, they were 13 to 18 years old. Mm. Um, Every one of them had something that had happened to them in their past that was kind of, you know, really clear and really evident was like this massive trauma. Mm. Um, And it was particularly evident among the young women. And I did a lot of supervising of visits with um, male relatives of theirs, like their dads or their uncles, mm. um, oftentimes people who had sexually assaulted them. Mm. And so what I was seeing with these young women was their absolute abject terror going into these meetings. And no going shit. Into, yeah, exactly. Like if I got to meet um, with
1: the guy that fucked me up in the first place? And I'm trapped. I can't go anywhere. I'm in this institution and I can't leave. And this fucking asshole is going to come visit me. Coming in for a visit, right? Dude, I'd be anxious as fuck, man. My anxiety would be peaked. Yeah, exactly.
2: That's... So, you know, like that was one of my, oh, all right. There's like this thing here, right? This environmental thing, this this social condition, this stuff that's happened to them. So um, I was in the job for a while and it was rough. It was emotionally battering. It was um, sometimes physically dangerous, but just... Gutting emotionally, yeah. and so I started to think, oh, I want to do something else. Um, and one one night, it was a patient who had to be transferred to the hospital um, after a suicide attempt, and I had to go with her to the you know the medical hospital from the psych hospital. And I was sitting there, and I was like, I got to get out of this. Yeah. And so I started thinking, what would I want to do? And so I, I got to get the fuck out of off. here. <laughs> yeah, I got to get out of here and I got to go do something interesting. So yeah. I started to do some reading after that and started to think about sociology because really what's, what made me make the switch was going, wow, okay, I'm not really a psychologist because it's not about the, the shit that people have in their heads so much as it is how that stuff gets pulled out by social conditions, by structural conditions, by forces that are totally outside the control of the individual, mm-hmm. but that they end up having to react to in terms of their social, emotional, physical, developmental reactions. So Mm -hmm. that was it.
1: And so then you went back to school, you did everything you had to do and you decided to be a teacher.
2: Yeah. Um, So you deal with slightly less. That wasn't direct either. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I think we just both talked over yeah. each other I'm
1: sorry that happens a lot around here i have a I have an issue with shutting the fuck up uh like not yeah. doing it I'm terrible um so yeah. you still deal with young people though right I mean it, we're a little yes. bit they're a little bit older i I skew the uh, average age up a little bit so I get you that as far much. As, it was a
2: big enough class but yeah you know, yeah you did a little bit
1: yeah they they pulled me down a little bit but i'm I'm like the outlier there so I get like you get out into the world, you do a few things, and you say, fuck this, I want to go back to school. Because if this right here is the option, school is mm-hmm. way better. I'd much rather be there than here, hands down. So that's that's kind of how I felt, and that's why I'm in my thirties hanging out uh in yeah. SOS four hundred. Yep. But it's been a benefit. But uh so you um you mentioned to jump back to the COVID. Let's
0: mm-hmm.
1: we, we we found out about you we found out that uh you almost joined a fight club at a a crazy facility for these these kids and that's just really that whole thing it's like what do you do about any of that but that the, jumping back to the covid thing um you shaved your head that was a practical thing or that was Um, was there something to that besides just the practical it's hot in New Hampshire and I don't have to show up anywhere and people are not going to be looking at me so I can shave my head. Was there, was there some, um, meaning to that, uh, in addition to the practical aspect or mostly just practical?
0: Well,
2: not even really not practical, just kind of, um, like I, like I said, I knew I'd shake it up at some point Mm -hmm. and thought it would be at a later point. When it would be perhaps more dramatic. But I don't know. It, it just COVID seemed like a moment, like this inflection point where all of a sudden the stuff that seemed to matter before didn't matter in quite the same way.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And it felt early on like, oh, this is a really seismic shift. Yeah. yeah. And so it felt like anything I was attached to that was superfluous, I could just no. get rid of it.
1: Yeah. No. The, the, uh, the thing that you mentioned about the seismic shift, the the feeling, early, especially early on, I feel like um, I was having a conversation with my wife. This was early on. This was probably about the time we learned that none of the schools were going back after spring break. It was just, it was going to be, we're going to have to modify things. We're going to do the study online stuff and, and mm-hmm. just take it from there. So it might've been like that second week. And it was just, you know, it was like, okay, this is, this is turning into it feels like a bigger deal than maybe mm-hmm. it did back in February. I mean, I went back and listened to I mentioned doing mushrooms in New Jersey. I went back, listened to that episode that I recorded that day, and we we made jokes about coronavirus back in February. That was before the Super Bowl. you know, and we were just off the cuff, like making silly jokes about uh coronavirus and shit like that. Not ever thinking. I was thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, this is going to be another H1N1. This is going to be another Mm -hmm. um, bird flu, uh, swine flu. This is going to be another one of those things that, or Zika or something like that, that it affects people, but it's going to be business as usual in the United States. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure we'll raise money for affected communities elsewhere in the world or something like that, but I'm sure it's going to be business as usual. And I think it was that realization, just like you mentioned early on, that this is not going to be business as usual. This is actually different than those previous um, diseases that kind of come up every couple of years and they enter the news cycle, but you're like, I don't know anybody that ever had swine flu or mm-hmm. H1N1. I mean, it's like, I, I don't know where I would find somebody to talk to about H1N1 and, and ha- having that as an experience. But um, it was really kind of like the weirdest kind of seismic kind of social shift since 9-11, at least for me. Yeah. And so I think maybe the other students that you deal with probably don't remember 9-11 very well, but I do. I was an undergrad the first time uh, when 9-11 happened, and I was at I school. I was teaching I, at UNH. No shit. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I was I was in college that day, too. Like, I was there at campus, and I had an early mm-hmm. class. And so um, we had no idea that anything had happened when we started our 8 a.m. class, right? Um, yep, exactly. And people were walking by. This is... Uh, I. I have an art degree. Did I tell you that? I told you that before I that. Think I think
2: you
0: an did art say degree. that. Yeah.
1: God, I drew so many naked people. And I just, I get what you were saying about you, you do something, you think this is going to work. You get out and you're like, okay, fuck this. I'm going back. I get you. Mm-hmm. I feel you 100%. I used to draw so many naked people. And it's was like, oh, can I please draw them with their clothes on today? Cause like, I'm just getting tired of looking at naked people. It was pretty bad. I mean, it's not you always think it's going to be awesome. I'm drawing naked people all semester until you really start drawing naked people. You're drawing like the cracks and the hairs and the crevices and yeah. everything, and it's just raw. It's it's no. And by
2: and large, we are not a pretty people.
1: Honestly, we're not. You got to get the no. lighting right. You gotta yeah. you got to make sure that you're doing your beauty regimen. I mean, all mm-hmm. that shit. And there, look, anybody getting naked for eleven dollars an hour in the year two thousand and one, so that my twenty year old ass could draw you. But naked, yeah. you're honestly, if you could get if you could make more money getting naked elsewhere, like a strip probably club or, or the internet, yeah. yes, you would be making more money elsewhere. Dollar yeah. dollar bills raining down on you, not standing there for a whole bunch of kids at eight in the morning, everything hanging and
2: being perfectly still for yeah. hours at a time. Yeah,
1: yeah, they got to move around, thankfully. Like we'd every 15 minutes they'd switch it up or whatever, but regardless, um, it really just felt like uh that like you said the seismic shift and and mm-hmm. it felt like 911 was the last time I'd really experienced something that was like wow this is kind of big what we're going through and I think that was the first time that I was like I don't I could talk to other podcasters about this I could talk to some of my buddies about this but I mean I want to talk to somebody who uh, like actually has um I don't know some degrees look you're going to bring the average IQ of this podcast up usually my guests bring the average IQ of this podcast down. So I just, uh, I want to get your take early on, like that seismic shift. What was that? Um, you know, is that, I guess, is that seismic shift? Does that occur along like a socioeconomic spectrum? Are you more fucked if you're lower on there or, or is this kind of an equalizer for folks?
0: Well,
2: I think you could kind of look at anything that happens in society and look at how it happens on a social gradient
0: mm.
2: and it, it always is the case that with anything that's happening in society it's not going to affect every group of people equally it just mm. doesn't that's not the way it works um and that that goes for the, the goods as well as the bads and so yeah there's this gradient here where you know people who are less able to, you know, weather the the hmm. storms associated with COVID, because you, I mean, how else can I put it without, I'll try not to sound academic.
1: Please do. Being sound able to, as being able as to socially
2: isolate is a privilege.
0: Yeah. And being still have money. Being able to stay
2: home. You know, yeah. like I've been saying this all along since this started, when people would, you know, email me or call me and say, how are you doing? Are you okay? And, you know, the response I'm giving all the time is, I'm fine. We have everything we need and most of what we want. Mm. We continue to draw two incomes while this has all been happening because we're both able to work from home. We have high speed Internet. We have space where we can do this. I'm child free by choice. Mm. So like I didn't have to homeschool someone at the same time this is happening. Um, My cousin's wife emailed me and said, what do you think about homeschooling? And I think she was trying to get like at what what are your perspectives on it and my response was I'm glad I don't have to do it
0: yeah
2: um, so you know if you look at the way that covid is disproportionately affecting men and women for instance mm. right if you look at the gendered breakdown in the household of who's doing what kinds of work um and there's early evidence on this that some of the the gains in gender equality that have been made over the course of the last 40 to 50 years are you know eroding a little bit um you know, because of the distribution of childcare responsibilities within the home when people mm. have their kids home and they're trying to homeschool. Yeah. Um, you can look at the social class differences, right? If you are working in a job where you have to leave the house to do your job, you don't get to say, oh, I'm going to socially isolate. So that yeah. means that you're disproportionately exposed to other people who may be silent carriers of COVID.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, or you might be out in a, a job where you know you're exposed to it. Well,
1: um, you got to think about. Market Basket, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens—all these places have been open since day one. Not a one of these fucking places was ever closed at any point. They might have shifted hours a little bit. A few of these places would close a little earlier, and they, that would give them time to I'd do whatever they needed to do to ensure the cleanliness of the joint. But, but I, I'm I'm like I go to CVS. I actually there's a CVS right down the house, right down the street from my house. That's where I go for my my prescriptions and stuff, and it's walking distance. And like you said, I got a kid at home. She's not, I don't have to homeschool her. She's 10 months, but I got to, just like you, my wife and I have, we, it's been, I mean, it's, it's been, we're privileged in that we, we, We've both been making money as much as we were making before. Um, we mm-hmm. and we've been saving money because we're not paying any on daycare. Daycare's expensive. So I got I got yep, you not daycare. going out to eat, so you're saving
2: money there.
1: I'm still ordering the fuck out some sushi though. Let me tell you one thing. <laughs> I got a fucking problem with some sushi, and so does my wife. That's really our one vice. We don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't do nothing, we don't gamble. I got no taste for any of that bullshit. But but sushi. Fuck I yes. And and when my wife looks at me and she's like go grocery shopping. That means I'm spending a hundred dollars on sushi. I'm ordering one hundred dollars worth of sushi because we want to have enough that we could put it in the fridge and bust that out the next day for lunch. And that's what I'm talking about. Well, what is more fucking privilege in that? I'm talking about how I save money on daycare that I get to blow on sushi. I get to make it rain at Saigon, Tokyo on them. So i I do feel lucky. i I also complain about the the shift. I mean, I still I'm not immune to that either. and Like I kind of wish that we were recording this podcast in person instead of over zoom. It's way more fun to be able to like Mm. high five the person and be in the same room. And like, I don't know, we're making eye contact, but it's still, there's, I still feel like there's this, yeah, there's a digital barrier to the communication. There's that little bit of time off where it's like, I'll try to jump in, but then you're saying something and there's just that little bit of lag. And Mm -hmm. so like every time I record a podcast I'm in person, it's lovely. I haven't done that in forever. I haven't been able to meet with, people and do this in real life. And, um, you know, so like I could complain about that stuff, but I feel bad complaining about that stuff, you know, especially to folks who they've been furloughed, their income has gone down. It's been reduced. And you mentioned the childcare thing. My wife and I are very equitable in terms of the childcare, but she works fewer hours than I do. So uh, by default, she winds up taking care of the child a little bit more, but we still balance, you know, like if I'm, if she, she works, I got to watch the kid. So there's days mm-hmm. where I'm I'm just I'm stay at home dad basically for the entirety of the day because it's me and the kid, um, and it, it's just I feel the privilege. I, I still you know like I understand why people, especially people who haven't been able to work, why they want things to open back up. So mm-hmm. I, I don't I feel like I can see both sides very very well, and I, I think maybe that's a privilege also. So. I don't know but
2: well, I think it's, it's nuanced. I think, you know, for the people who are saying, you know, like things shouldn't open for a really long time. I think that's kind of a position of Uber privilege.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. Yes. Know, I, yes, totally. Totally. And, and I think uh, one of the things I did want to ask you was like, when does this end? For folks I mean I, uh, that, that's an individual question though, right I mean like my answer might be different than your answer because I'm like chomping at the bit to start seeing folks again, and I think that your stance on covid and your um your like social isolation and and everything has been a little bit more conservative, so your answer is probably going to be different than mine right I mean is there a how do you at least how do you feel maybe you can't answer for like society at large but how do you feel personally? When do you feel safe to go out and go to like a barbecue again, or like a function on campus or something where,
2: Oh man, it's going to be a long time. Yeah, It's going to be a really long time. Um, I, I feel like we've, we've hunkered down. We've been Mm -hmm. taking the social isolation thing really seriously. Um, we haven't, and I feel really torn about this in my heart, but we haven't done takeout. We haven't done any of that. I want to support my community and I want to support the restaurants that mean a lot to me, but, I just don't quite feel safe
1: yet. Yeah. Bro, if Saigon, um, Tokyo closes down though, like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I there are a lot of places
2: money. I'm worried about. You know, yeah. a lot of places I worry about that, especially the independent places. You know? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. But it's I don't not, know, it's going to be a while for me. Like this, the whole thing of wondering what's going to happen in the fall, um, you know, going back to classes, yeah, it makes me that makes me nervous. That it was really going to be my next it.
1: question. I mean, we all got a, a email from the university president saying that they were going to be opening up for um, on-campus classes in the fall, and mm-hmm. um, I would presume that involves you, right? Or are they giving yep. faculty the option to continue online? I mean, I don't know if that's There's
2: going to be some determination made at some point mm-hmm. about what the plan is but i think you know to give them credit they have so many balls in the air trying to figure out what's going to happen like keeping people safe trying Hmm. to figure out living arrangements trying to figure out um what is going to happen with classes trying to manage all of those pressures it's sort of like you know trying to you know keep a basket of eggs from cracking while you're walking on ice and the ice is cracking and there's a hailstorm and you know, it's like all of these things are coming together mm. at the same time. And, and then, you know, it's, it's the environment of already shrinking enviro- um, enrollments over the course of the last few years because of demographic changes. So that meant that there were already financial strains and then there's mm. COVID and then, you know, Hey, there's a massive, upheaval right now and a reckoning societally with what's happening with race and inequality. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and that's why we're chatting. Cause there's just, I felt like it's just one thing after another. The, hence my joke about mm-hmm. getting fucked by a moose like 2020 is, you know, you look both ways, you think this is going to be okay. And then bam, the moose just out of nowhere. And you're like, Whoa, like what's going on moose cock. I mean, that's, it's an old Canadian joke. Um, so I saw a
2: meme the other day that was um aliens, and one of them's going, "Oh my God, I'm nervous, we're on next,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, we're up next, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thing that's going around i mean uh, uh for for the sake of the podcast, I do spend a lot of time on the internet more more so than I'd like to. I spend a lot of time on uh, like the social medias and and stuff like interacting with people who listen and, um, uh, you know, sending out links to the episodes when they drop and, um, posting in, in various places so that people will know the new episodes are available. And stuff. So there is a lot that, that of like the self promotion that goes into that on all the socials, Reddit and everywhere. And, um, there's just a lot, I mean, there's there's so much shit online and, and all of it is related to this stuff. And, um, I, I, I think as far as like the pandemic goes, when it ends, I, I mean, I think that we're, and it, it's not surprising, but I think that we're learning a lot as we go. You don't know much about, I, mm-hmm. I don't feel like we, and I don't mean you and I specifically, and I don't even mean New Hampshire, but I, I mean like the United States. I don't think that the the average person was very well prepared for um, the pandemic. And wow. I don't even think that the messaging from, certain uh, organizations that, that we're supposed to look to, things like the CDC and the World Health Organization, I don't even feel like the messaging from them has been consistent, which shows me that even they weren't totally um, prepared. Like They didn't know what to expect and that we're all learning about just how virulent this thing is as we go and how it spreads yeah. and how we can prevent it and um, what we need to do. It's so... I feel like the 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 whole, like when the pandemic pandemic ends and when we get back out and try to return as much to normal as, as we decide is mm-hmm. appropriate, feels like a moving target. So totally. the flatten the curve and the thing. And in the first
2: few days, it seemed like it, and I don't know if it felt this way for you, but for me, it felt like every three hours, I felt like, oh, there's something more I need to know. Oh my yeah. God. And I would yeah. sleep or try to sleep. And then I wake up the next day and feel like, all of this stuff happened overnight and I yeah. need to know so much more about this now. So it, it did feel like a super fast moving mm-hmm. target. And then it's the pace of that, I think, has slowed down a little yeah. A bit.
0: Yeah.
2: Or maybe I've just grown accustomed to it. I don't know. But it does feel like we're learning so much more and then we're discovering different things and the, yeah. you know the different ways that COVID can affect your system and different groups that are affected by Mm -hmm. it and you know so it's it's just it's something that we're going to really need to learn it's it's the novel coronavirus we're going to need to learn a lot about it and it may be that that changes our behaviors on the turn of a dime again
1: yeah i i think so and i think um you know, even the worry about the uh, like the second wave as people begin to get it back out and stuff like that. I, I mean, I think that's yeah. a legitimate concern. Um, and I think it's one that a lot of folks have. I just I feel like as things go, and I don't know if it's a case of, I mean, as with nine eleven in the in the weeks and months after that, it's just like, holy shit. But there was a point in time, and I'm not sure I could pinpoint it on a calendar, but there was a point in time where, shit was just normal again right life was just normal you 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 kind of felt you know like it was it was enough of um i guess it wasn't novel enough anymore that yeah i mean it's terrorism's no good and they took down the world trade centers and that's terrible but now they're like making movies about it and it's kind of in the past a little bit and um undoubtedly the same thing is going to happen with with coronavirus i mean time inevitably uh, marches on so we're going we're going to hit a point and and whether it's the new normal, I don't know how much things are going to shift. Um, I'd like to interview Nostradamus on the show and try to figure that out, but I'm still working on with his people to get back to me or whatever. But I feel like for my for my own personal answer, I have been fairly conservative as well, and I think my wife is mostly to blame slash thank for that. Um, mm. You know, she is probably in your boat. She, I, in, at least in my honest opinion, probably goes a little overboard, but she has that like conservative streak of it's better to be safe than sorry. It's better to be overcautious right. than, but I I kind of feel like, yeah, I see that. I, and, and I'm glad that none of us have gotten, at least we don't think we have. I mean, who knows? Maybe we may have, we may like, have, might we have may, it right now I might have it and I might be, I, I might be asymptomatic and totally cool. I'm a type one diabetic. I was, Kidding, this isn't really hydroxychloroquine, this is insulin. But um, so, you know, like I'm a little freaked out about getting it being a diabetic. Uh, But uh, I I just, I feel like if this turns out, you see stuff like in the last week, I've seen reports that maybe the asymptomatic carriers really aren't as good at transmitting it as we once thought weeks ago. So um, maybe it is true that if you feel okay, that you're less likely to be spreading it because I think the worry a month ago was like holy shit you could feel fine but you're killing everyone's grandma and the whole CVS by breathing and um, nobody wants that on their conscience least of all me I'm I'm a Buddhist here but um, the 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 thing that's going to get me is that if I've hunkered down and I emerge and my beard is down I'm like I look like Rip Van Winkle waking up from a hundred years mm-hmm. sleep. Everybody, that's how you know I went to college. Y'all motherfuckers are Googling Rip Van Winkle right now. Educate your <laughs> fucking selves, assholes. So I, I come out of the house. Everything's gray. It's down in my ass. I look like Rip Van Winkle. And the birds are chirping, and the sun is shining, and the, you know, the couple's going by on the little tandem bike. And I'm like, what the fuck did I close myself up for the last six fucking years waiting for a vaccine for? Everybody's fucking fine. That's going to piss me off more than anything. That's the one thing. That if everybody, everything's just cool and, and this was kind of a fugazi or at least partly a fugazi, I'm gonna feel like I got swindled.
2: Well, That's the all. thing is, you won't know. You're not gonna no. know.
0: Yeah, you know. And if
2: you go out and you contract it and you die, Or you end up on a respirator for a long time and have long-term consequences that are associated from having been on a respirator and you're recovering for a long time. Or this turns out to be something that becomes like a chronic illness, right? The aftermath of it. You'll never know.
0: Yeah. Well, you don't. I kind
2: of look at it like if I'm driving down the street and there's a big paper bag in the middle of the street, I'm not one of those people who's going to be like, oh, let me drive over it, right?
1: Because it could be an IED, right?
2: Exactly. It could be, you know, a bag of nails.
1: Shout out Donny Gates. He drove or over an
2: nothing. Yeah. You know? So I'm the kind of person who's like, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to drive around the bag. Yeah. I, I mean, even driving over it.
1: I appreciate that analogy. I appreciate the idea that it's probably better. Like, if it was a weekend, if it was a week, if it was, I think when it's, when you start talking about, people start saying, well, you need to stay inside until a vaccine's ready. Well, Mm -hmm. how far? I know how long it takes to make a vaccine, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I I work in medicine. I, you, the the idea that I'm going to stay inside and that I'm not going to leave and that I'm not going to see my family, um, besides my Mm -hmm. wife and kid, but I mean that I'm not going to see my grandparents. And but then, who knows? I'm scared to see my grandparents. But but my folks, I mean, they've been missing their granddaughter. We got to, you know, I I want to take her to Atlanta. I want her to know. Her Atlanta family, my whole side of the family is I got to get on a plane to go see them and shit. And so there, there's a part of me that um, that feels like if it's a short period of time, then it's kind of like I'm driving seatbelt. I know people who don't like wearing motorcycle helmets. We're up here in New Hampshire. Uh, people don't have to wear motorcycle helmets. I got a buddy who was in a motorcycle accident. The reason why he lived through that is because he was wearing a helmet. The, mm-hmm. the, the fact is... That's not really a big issue, buckling a seatbelt. You're just doing that for like a little bit of, you're probably not going to get an a wreck, but just in case, shit. Um, the the locking down, that's like, that's like I'm going to sell my car and I'm not going to drive for the next three years. And I'm not even going to take a bus. I'm just going to sit inside my house with hydrochloroquine up my ass. And I'm just going to hope that that's, that I don't run over an IED in the next six years because I'm not going to leave the house. So it's like, to me, it's like that analogy on steroids the longer it goes. And if it's not a fugazi, then I'm happy, I stayed in. But if it if it turns out that it's, I, not that I'm saying I'm, I'm not that big of a conspiracy theorist that I think that the whole thing was made up, I'm not even gonna talk about bioengineering because I'm not buying that either. But um, I mean, if it turns out that we all kind of like, um, I, don't know, um, I don't know how to say the word pussy without saying the word pussy. You know what I mean though? I think mm-hmm. I've maybe conveyed, that um, I'm, I'm happy to stay in, but I don't think that waiting until a vaccine is available is right, at least for me.
2: Well,
0: and yeah, I can work I don't know from home it is
2: for me either. I wish there were a vaccine I could take right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the absence of that, I think it's the slow exposure to things. Like, you know, I went for a walk with a friend of mine last week. Ooh. I haven't seen Ooh, people. I'm reporting you. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Um, we went for a walk on a you know backcountry roads where we both wore masks the entire time and stayed probably a good eight to 12 feet apart. You guys were walking together, path.
1: but you were on the phone the whole time. You guys have like walkie talkies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you get <laughs> screaming ah! <laughs> kind of
0: converse.
2: Um, how you doing back that, there? It felt weird to me. It felt yeah. really good though. You know, when we yeah. walked, we walked for seven miles and then we went, what? Like, how did we have that much to talk about? Yeah so I think it's that kind of repeated exposure, but I, you know, I did that and then I thought, well, I'm going to come home and have at least a week or so before I venture out again, before yeah. I go any place, just in case, you know, just in case there's something going on. And so we're all going to have to start stepping back in a little bit with our own personal comfort zones.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, you know, I can say that. Cause like I said, I'm privileged. I yeah. love being home. And I'm kind of a hermit actually. Yeah. I can totally play extrovert yes. on television And I do it as part of my job. But when I come home, I'm kind of like, I just want to close up. I love my house. I love my yard. I love my little world. I want to be like in my little pod and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like I can read and garden and knit until I'm 127 and I'll be perfectly fine. I
1: hope you make it to 127. That would be lovely. Imagine how white your hair will be then.
2: You know, I mean, then white, then it's going to be time. If you, you want know, like, white hair,
1: 127 is going to be a great year for you. Um, it will. So, I, I think I also appreciate what you said about kind of each individual assessing mm-hmm. their own individual comforts and then acting in accordance to we're all adults here, right? Hopefully, well, but that, said. But that, <laughs> that said, said,
2: but that said,
1: but that said is handshaking going to be assault now? I mean, are you going to... If I if I meet you on campus in the fall and I say, hey, really good to see you again, put her there, Dr. Moran. Are you going to like elbow me and call the campus PD and be like, he tried to shake, he tried to touch me. He's trying to give me some shit. I mean, there's the point where um, I think if it's like... Um, we can take a libertarian approach to a lot of different things. Like you do what you want to do. And I do what I want to do as long as we don't hurt each other in the process. But I go, "Ah, ah," and then I shake your hand and a week later you're sick. Because
2: people doing what they want to do in this case could potentially put other people at
1: risk. Exactly. Yes. That's my point is that it's no longer just up to you. If, mm -hmm. if I'm a diabetic and I'm worried that I'm at an extra risk, And I see Dr. Moran over here doesn't give a fuck no more and she's out shaking everybody's hand and she's cuddling all the babies and then she wants to come up and shake my diabetic hand and I got to worry about that. I've been intubated before. I've been on a respirator. Five days in the ICU and it fucking sucked. I never want to do that again. That was the worst. I would still choose that over death but it fucking sucked. Uh, you should imagine the first words out of my mouth when they, I mean, the guy like puts his foot on my chest to yank this thing out of my my mouth and the first words out, all the doctors are around like watching. is he going to be, and I'm like, Oh fucking shit. And they just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. They're like, he must be all right. The first thing he says is go fuck yourselves to all of us and it must be good. We're going to check off. So he's all right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that to ever happen again, but at the same time, you know, like what are the long-term social kind of ramifications? Mm. If you don't mind speculating just a tiny bit, my own personal uh, sociology, Nostradamus here.
0: Well,
2: um, I think it is going to be, there are going to be these knock-on effects that we can't even predict. Um, You know, things like, how are we going to think about office space and, you know, shared spaces? Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I could see it being that we don't, things like shaking hands. Yeah. Um, you, you asked about that. So that's where my brain goes. But one thing I've noticed when I walk is that it used to be that people would say hi and they'd wave and they'd speak something. Yeah. Now people don't do that. Yeah. What people, what I've noticed people doing is they walk and they
0: yeah.
2: like give a very curtain. People can't see me, but like they give kind of like an intense look with a hand up yeah. and the hand up is I'm, I'm reading it both as sort of high, but also as like, yeah. don't, how many closer? It's
1: like high, but also like I will fucking judo chop the shit out of you if you get close enough get to lady. me. If you get close sure. enough for me to karate chop your clavicle, I am gonna give it to you. I'm fucking black belt. I I agree with you. I, I walk every day with with Evelyn. Um, not just the days where it's daddy daycare. Uh, I mean, she mm-hmm. has me up early, and if she's up, I'm up. My wife is up I mean we take turns kind of like I'll be like you look tired let me let me take her it's 5am you get another hour hour and a half or whatever you can get uh, but like during those times I will walk, sometimes we'll walk as a family in the afternoon after dinner. We'll go out at like 6 p.m., take a nice walk, especially with the weather lately. It's been
0: mm-hmm, beautiful.
1: All the ice is gone. I love it because I'm getting my steps and I'm, you know, I'm a diabetic, so I got to do my cardiovascular for my heart and shit. I'm trying to make it to 127 as well. I'm not going to get mm-hmm. there, but uh, my diabetic ass isn't living near 127, but uh, I go walk and I see, I cross people and uh, luckily I have a cute mm-hmm. baby, so no one's thinking this guy's going to... He, you know, he's going to try to kill me with coronavirus. going to cough on me or something because they're like, oh, he's got a little babies. you know, he's a he's just taking her for a walk or whatever. But I have noticed that there's a lot like, look, you're ten feet away from me. You can say hello, good morning. and i'm I make it a mm-hmm. point. Like, I'm a little bit of a contrarian if you haven't picked up on that. um on yes, I have the the biggest thing is I have a problem with people telling me what not to do. It's not so much that, I can't accept someone saying, Hey, you should do this. Cause I look at that as like friendly advice and I'm free to disregard it. So if you were ever a, to say, Jason, I think you should do this or you need to do this. I'd say, okay, I'll take it under advisement. Um, and if it's reasonable and it makes sense, then I'll do it, but whatever. But it was when people say you can't do this or you shouldn't do this. And I notice people and everyone's like, you know, gives give this quick little wave and like, you know, real brief eye contact. I'm like, Hey, good morning. How you doing? Like, I'm Fuck no, I'm not playing that game. Guess what? We're playing my game. That's the game where I'm happy to see you, even though you're a stranger and you're masked up and I don't even know what's going on in your life. I'm still happy to see you. I'm giving you that. You know what I mean? I feel. Well, like,
2: are you doing it though? Are, if, if we crossed paths on the street and somebody was-
1: Well, if we cross paths on the street, I'm actually going to cross the road when I see you coming. You have a dangerous nice look man. about you. You have a dangerous look about nice. you. I don't right. I'm not I don't trust you. I'm profiling you I'm crossing the road. But you mean a hypothetical you?
2: A hypothetical okay. me. Right. If hypothetical me is walking down the street and we pass, are you kind of like like going up to people like hi? Are you getting in their face uh, no, or are you just no, doing no. it from ten feet away?
1: No, I don't I respect, especially with strangers. Like I, I know I made the joke in class that I'm a hugger, and I am. Like I, mm-hmm. honestly, I I would hug anybody. I don't give a shit. I like hugging people. I, I like I don't know. I like people. I just, I like people. So,
2: Do you I'll, read the cues though, or are you kind of like creepy hugger guy?
1: No, I'm not. No, no. I don't think I'm creepy at all. I think I'm very good socially. I'm like extremely ext- extroverted in case you couldn't tell. I'm like really, uh, I like to be as gregarious as I can be. So I'm not like weird, like close talker where you're like backing mm-hmm. up and I'm I'm still like inching forward and I'm like, hey, how you doing? Okay. You know, I'm not, but I do like to hug people. I like to greet people. I like to hug them. I like to tell mm-hmm. them how nice it is to see them and stuff like that. But after that, I mean, I was. Resp- but when it's a stranger, you know, like on the road, if we were to pass on the street, like, I, I mean, I know you, but if, assuming you're a stranger, I would wave and I'd say, hi, good morning. And we'd keep walking. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be, but I'm not, you know, people will do this weird thing. Like I was, I was walking or jogging the other day. And so the sidewalk is kind of big where it's like mm-hmm. by a school. And so the sidewalk is kind of big and I'm jogging and this guy's walking towards me and I kind of move over and it's a wide sidewalk and I'm jogging. So it's a... It's going to be like a, I don't know, like less than a second that mm-hmm. we're within six feet. The guy, I kind of hop off the sidewalk, and I'm thinking I'll let him have the sidewalk. I'm jogging. I'll, I was in the the, the uh, shoulder. He steps off the sidewalk into the grass. I'm like, the sidewalk isn't good enough for you because I just touched it. Like, what the fuck, man? Come on, I'm I'm running in the road for you. You you got to take the grass. You can't. I mean, I I I laid that sidewalk out. I laid a red carpet out for him. I was like, here, you take the sidewalk. You know why? Cause I'm a nice guy. I want you to feel comfortable, stay on the sidewalk. Here you go. And he's like, Nope, I'm gonna walk in the grass, asshole. I hope he stepped in dog shit. So um <laughs> you're you're with my brother. I got a younger brother who thinks we're never gonna shake hands again, which kind of hurts my soul a little bit. Because if I can't no, hug I, you, I at least I don't know
2: shake that we're hand. never going to again. And the reason why I say this is because I've seen people in public in the limited times I've been out, you know, like to market that ba- or not, yeah. not market basket. I haven't gone to market basket because it's not close to us. Um But you know, you go to the grocery store and people are, I think we're programmed yeah. by years and years of interaction to kind of default to some of the things that we've done. So I've seen people kind of lean in and like start to do the hug or like, I've seen people shake hands, but then I've seen people kind of like, uh, uh, yeah. like, you yeah. don't really know what to do. So I don't know that we're never going to do it again, but I think, I think that a lot of people are just not going to do it. So Does we'll any, have those alternate forms of things, you know, maybe like uh, you know, hands together, uh, high I'd love it if we did.
1: Like, I'd love it if we did the the yeah. like you know, like it hey, works in Japan. Bow yeah, I mean, again, you're talking to a Buddhist guy, so I, I'd be happy to what? to bow. Although I still want to hug because that to me feels that feels right too. But is anybody going to ever eat at a buffet again? I love buffets. I'll, I'll admit right oh, now.
2: Really, I'm not a big fan.
1: Yeah, I well, what can I say? I'm. Uh, I'm a fan of paying a set price and then eating gorging as much, yes, yeah, so it's like a game for me. I, and I like to be able to pick and choose, you know what I mean? You can try a little bit of everything. I think when right. you go, when I go to a normal restaurant and I'm, I have this menu, I have this, it's like the Sophie's choice. It's like whatever I choose to eat, I'm sacrificing everything that I'm not eating. Cause I can't eat it all, but at a buffet, all the I can or
2: sushi that you're not eating.
1: Yes, think about that poor sushi that I'm not eating. What if it gets thrown away? I can't look.
2: Can't handle it. I can't well, handle yeah, it. so you're worried about stuff getting thrown away with a buffet? Come on.
1: No, I'm, I'm not worried about that shit. Get but I do like to be able to sample a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> so, like with, with the COVID, I think, um, I think we turned a corner with the recent killing of George Floyd. I, I feel like that um, that sort of canceled. Covid to a large degree because I think the the event was just it was so galvanizing that I think a lot of people said fuck it like I know I'm supposed to stay in I'm not staying in go fuck yourselves with the with the pandemic quarantine at least mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future because it's been a couple of weeks and and it's still going on I mean the protests are still mm-hmm. across the nation still going on. from big big cities like Atlanta, um, like New York, like uh, California, little, little cities like Dover, little towns like Dover. Mm-hmm. We, we have, it's going yeah. on all over the place. Um, I, do, I mean, do you feel like that kind of came out of nowhere? I feel like I was blindsided by this, this really? tremendous event. Really?
2: I know it didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, that's been, it's been building for years. Well, you know, and-
1: the BLM is not a novel movement at all. Um yeah. And it's not like they just invented police brutality in 2020 either, right? I mean, that, that's right. as long as there have been police, there have been police uh, fucking mm-hmm. people up that shouldn't be fucked up. But um I, I just feel like with so many people staying inside, I was like, damn, they still got police? Like, that's what it just kind of... Like, oh, okay, well, like, this is... Wh- whatever news came about in March and April, it was just... If it wasn't COVID, it was... It's three or four stories down and it's, don't worry too much about this. But Mm -hmm. the reason why I feel like this was just, wow, is because it jumped up to the top and it's not like, um, uh, well, there have been other killings, of course. Lately, Breonna Taylor comes to mind because I love Louisville, mm-hmm. Kentucky, and because the execution of a no-knock warrant looking for a guy that hadn't been in that house for two years, three years, yeah. and he was already in police... Co- I mean, the, that, the Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. situation is so fucked up. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's beyond fucked up that um, you just kind of feel like, I don't know, it's, it's a fucked up thing to think, but it, you, you have to think that for every George Floyd and Breonna Taylor that you hear about, And how many of these, how many nameless folks are not in the news because you don't really hear about them because coronavirus is maybe at the top of the the list when you open up the news app.
2: Or because it wasn't taped, to go back to videotape, right? It wasn't recorded. That certainly helps. I mean,
1: when people see that tape, I Mm -hmm. mean, the Breonna Taylor thing is super fucked up when you look at the details. I mean, the the idea of a no-knock warrant in the middle of the night is so fucked up anyway. I can't Isn't imagine. Terrifying. I can't imagine anyone thinking that was a good idea. What right. happens when you bust in on somebody at 2 a.m. when they're mm-hmm. sleeping? They're going to think you're breaking in, and if they're a gun owner, they're going to fucking shoot at you. And if you're like, hey, I'm not a, uh, I'm, I'm not breaking in. I'm a cop. I'm going to shoot you back, and I got five other dudes, and we're going to put 23 bullets in. That is, the no-knock warrant thing is very fucked up. It's very fucked up. Like, that is... Um, I mean, you just have to do better than, we're just going to bust in at two in the morning. we to see if he's there. We're not going to knock or we're not going to call. We're not going to- Well, gonna...
2: it's setting up a situation to go badly.
1: Yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely is. It's like, yeah. it, it's, it's, uh, it's a house of cards that you're like, oh, sure, this is going to, no, it's going to, you're going to fuck this up. This is going to get fucked mm-hmm. up nine times out of 10. This is going to go very poorly. Flashbangs in a baby's okay. crib. Let me tell you, if that shit happened to my daughter, I'm fucking killing every mother Fuck, I don't give a shit. You could tell me you work for the cops, that flashbang goes off in my baby's crib. Every fucking one is dead. I'm not even lying. Um, but the Breonna Taylor thing wasn't caught on camera. The George Floyd yeah. thing, like you mentioned, that was on camera. That was and Ahmad uh, Aubrey. I'm sorry? Yes. Ahmad Aubrey. Ahmad Aubrey also on camera. We have Ahmaud. audio of that. And so yeah. I think when you when you have that, and then you also have the um, the modern day social medias. Again, it's very right. easy to spread that. It's very easy to show that to millions of strangers. Right? It's easy to. And it was also
2: the, the moment too, where, like you said, so many other things get pushed out of the the top two or three stories because it was COVID, COVID, COVID. Yeah. And as people started to, you know, you had like the slow reopenings, and yeah. you know, you had some. Um, I think people were looking for. Hearing about things that were other than COVID, so there was that kind of perfect confluence yeah. of timing.
1: Yeah, I wanted um, to ask you if cooping people up for months because of the the coronavirus recommendations for social distancing and isolation, self isolation, mm-hmm. if that had any effect on the response. That the, the response has just been fuck it. Like I don't want to get sick, but I definitely want to go out and join this this protest. So um, I was wondering if there was if that was just a perfect storm. If the setup, if this was just like the one-two punch that people needed to really kick things into into high gear,
2: sure. And I think it's the magnitude of the the isolation for so long. You know, people feeling cooped up, people feeling like you know things had started to open up in some places. Um, then, you know, the, the absolute brutality and the inhumanity of mm-hmm. seeing someone kneeling on a man's neck and murdering him in the street. Hmm. People seeing that. Yeah. um, I think that galvanized a lot of support. Galvanized a lot of support. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunately nothing new, right? But you add in several cases in a very short period of Hmm. time and you have people watching the 24 hour news cycle all the time. And then you compound all of the other social inequalities that COVID has brought out yeah you know so you look at the disproportionate infection and death rates and hospitalization rates of say black and brown people compared to white people yeah and you look at how so many people who are working as transportation workers or service workers are black and brown people yeah you look at how people who are lower ses are um, less likely to be able to work from home, right? So like our spoiled asses.
1: For the dumb dums listening uh, who dropped out of high school, SES is socioeconomic status. I'm going to throw that out there for the the, the dum-dums. Um, <laughs> listen, I love having PhDs on the show. I need more PhDs on the show. But I also know that there are some folks out there that are like, SES, the fuck What?
2: SES? What is she talking about? She's doing that she? academic thing
1: again. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. so... I, I, I kind of feel that way too. I feel like there was like, I just feel like the, the the magnitude of the event that it was Mm -hmm. just so horrible to witness and that millions of people were able to witness it. Uh, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people all over the world were able to witness it. And then, uh, also the fact that uh, like what you were saying is that people are cooped up 1200 bucks. Look, if you're not working, I try to put myself in those shoes every single day. If I'm not working and I got $1,200 stimulus check, I'm thinking, fuck you. Like, okay, that was good for like maybe the first two weeks of April, I made yeah. rent. But it's it's June or it's what am I doing in May? What am I? So I would I would think that the frustration level would already be at, at a breaking point, and then I have to open Twitter, and I got to watch this guy get killed, and mm-hmm. I would it, fuck it. I'm 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 not sitting inside any longer, right?
2: And if people have. Then, you know, again, our our normal lives, the pre-COVID life, right? People were getting up and going to work and doing their stuff and they're they're busy. And so when there's something that's absolutely horrible and egregious, and you see, you know, an instance of of violence, people get upset and there have been protests before, but then there are, you know, people need to go to work. Hmm. Right. And so some of the the everyday realities impinge on us. But you know, lots of people out of work. Yeah. And again, disproportionately affecting black and brown people.
1: And if you're out of work, you've you got all day to protest, right? I mean, I, I can go and assemble with a bunch of, of folks. I can go join BLM if I don't have to clock in today, right? I can go march in the streets because fuck it, why not? What, what did I have on my schedule today? I'm not going to work. I mean, I am, but somebody might be in that situation. Fuck it. So I want to ask. Do the peaceful protests, w- w- when the protests happen, of course, I think they get a lot of it, again, tremendous national attention, and a lot of attention is also paid to um, anything that comes along with those protests, if if you don't like the protests, if you're somebody who's like, well, I'm not for that. And if anything goes wrong, I think the focus for a certain um, segment tends to be, they're out looting. They're out riding. They're throwing bricks to window windows. They trashed the Target. They looted the Apple Store. So I do unfortunately think that 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 um, it does get some attention and focus from the type of person who's you know like what the fuck are these people doing anyway and and whatever. Um, so like, is there an element to the protest? I'll, I'll come out and say I'm kind of in favor of fucking up a few police cars. I'll say that to you. I'll say that to my audience. I'm in favor of again, judiciously, mm-hmm. I don't know about private property, but like, turn a few cop cars over, bust out all the windows, light them on fire, and, and you know, fuck a few cop cars up. And I, I'm, the reason I'm, I think about this every day, and the reason I'm a, a little bit in favor of that is I feel like um, you just kind of have to remind people of the accountability. And I feel like a, an organization that is meant to police a community um it really is is uh accountable to that community. And you can't start right. whacking out members of that community and right. expect that the community is just not going to respond um and not respond strongly. And I, I, I feel like protests have been going on for years, right? I mean, like you said, it's not like BLM years and years. Yeah. yeah. BLM's not new. I mean Perfect. they they weren't doing it they weren't quite as active I guess in February and March as they've been uh, in June so far but the 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 idea is that this type of like demonstration has always been um, has always been present in the wake of events like George Floyd's killing but I almost feel like you know you you, you do something and you know, it doesn't work and a decade later we've still got this bullshit going on these guys are wearing. Uh, body cameras, they're wearing, uh, recording devices. All of this shit should be up for review at any time as public record. But, oh yeah, this guy got killed in the, you know, there were eight cops there and none of them had their, their body camera on. And that's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's just too bad. Sorry. That. I don't know, I, I kind of feel like if you go and you march and you protest, everyone's got signs and everyone says this is no good and then they leave when it's time to leave and we all clean up after ourselves. I'm an Eagle Scout, so you gotta go clean up after yourself. You can't litter. But you go, you clean up after yourself and then you go home. It's kind of like... We rode the way. If you're a cop, you're sitting inside the PD, and you're like, "Well, we rode the wave, and they're all gone." And you give it another week or two weeks, and the thing will peter out. The 24-hour news cycle will latch onto something else. A second wave of Corona will come. You got to think. If you're a cop right now, a I don't know why the fuck you want to be a cop right now. It's got to be the worst (laughs) fucking job. Like, who's signing up to be a cop right now? Uh, You're you're fucking insane if you're signing up to be a cop right now. But but then, B, um, if you're a cop, you got to be sitting there just, you know, like picking a donut. Out of your beard. I'm sorry. I know that there are probably police who listen to this. I love you uh, if you listen to the show. Okay, um, but you know, there's there's got to be those guys thinking, man, I can't wait for this second wave to hit because they're going to burn this bitch down if that second wave. Doesn't get them back. Yeah, like we want that second wave to hit to just kind of clear the streets again. But I, I'm in favor of turning over the cop car, just as kind of like a like I said, you don't destroy everything. You just you say, okay, this cop car and that cop SUV, we're going to trash them, we're going to turn them over, we're going to burn them, and. That's just, it's just a reminder. It's symbolic. It's a reminder, you know, Hey,
2: well, I think it's, it's always easy if you look at power relations, right? And if you think about any sort of power imbalances, if you have Mm. a group of people who are imbued with the ability to enact violence on other people and they carry weapons, um, you know, that, that means that it changes the nature of how we interact Mm. with all manner of law enforcement. Um, so when you have a group of people who are with their bodies putting themselves out in the streets, that's going to be an upset to the existing power relationships. Yeah, that's going to make this. It's, it just upends
0: it.
1: Yeah, I, I um, yeah, I mean, I, I I try not to be too cynical in my um, outlook on this, but um, with the power dynamic. When it comes to uh, like socioeconomic status, for instance, as a as a good proxy for just a general um, like power dynamic, you have fewer people at the top, right? If you have the mm-hmm. um, the um, aggregation of resources amongst a wealthy elite, then mm-hmm. uh, like by definition, it's fewer people having more shit. And then mm-hmm. the bottom of yep. the period, you ha- uh, pyramid. You have uh, a great many people having less shit, and and then the spectrum, of course, in between. Um, but I think the the nature of that dynamic is obviously like, even though you have you're up at the top and you've got a good, a very good percentage of the shit, you don't have the numbers, right? The the bottom, mm-hmm. they've got the numbers. So I always take a very like when I when I think about when I consider or especially when I talk to other folks who are maybe of the more conservative uh, bent on this particular issue, when when we talk about like social uh, assistance programs programs that are intended to um, help people uh, you know with. Just getting by, just uh, being able to like, wick, being able to provide um, mm-hmm. nutritious food for for a kid. If you're a single mother, or, uh, multiple kids. If you're a single mother, things like that. That I think um, maybe some more conservative folk get a little bit bent out of shape about. I mean, th- this. I try not to be too cynical, but oftentimes my view is like, well, of course, if you are uh, in a position of power, whether it be political or socioeconomic or whatever, you're thinking that you want to kind of maintain the status quo. Because you're at the top. You want to stay there, right? I mean, people are going to typically try mm-hmm. to act in their own self-interest. And and so the people at the top wanting to uh, retain their their collection of resources, uh, they, of course, the the concern is, well, there's a fuck ton more of them than there are of me. And if they all get together and decide to fuck me up, my shit becomes their shit and I'm, like, dead somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is kind of how revolutions uh, happen, right? Mm-hmm. As people kind of realize that, like, hey, we can... These, these guys, you know, that's how they overthrew the, the guys in, uh, in Cuba and shit like that. Cuban revolution. I and mean, it, a lot of this stuff was kind of, it, it happened this way. And I think, um, I think maybe that's the reason why I'm pro turn over a cop car, like remind them, like you can't, yes, you have a gun and you, you usually get away with the bullshit, but there's a, there's a point, there's a breaking point. You're going to, Piss us off, and so I can't say that I'm completely in favor of violence. Because again, I've mentioned like four times I'm a Buddhist. I abhor violence. On the other hand, there are times when it's necessary.
2: Well, you, there, you know, you hear people talking about, well, I support protesters, but not the violence.
1: Yeah, yeah, you hear that a lot. Um,
2: yeah, you hear that a ton. Yeah, right. But and then I think there's also the the contingent of people who are, you know, raising their voice right now to say, well, you know. Lots of changes happened without violence, but I think that's not a very well historically informed perspective because a lot of the social changes that have happened, and there have been a number of them, have happened with violence involved. Yes. And so I'm not advocating for violence, but I think the perspective of, well, you can make social change without violence is an incomplete perspective.
0: Hmm. And that's
2: unfortunate because I think, you know, we really, and this is just my, like, all of this is personal editorial, right? Coming from me. But, um, I think some of it too, is that we're just not well-informed. We're not well-informed about history. We're not well-informed about race. You know, I had a conversation with someone in my family last week, somebody who I think by and large thinks very similarly to me on a lot of these things. And, um, and he said to me, well, you know we're we're rapidly becoming a country where whites are not in the majority and i went what 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 do you think the breakdown is of racial groups in the united states
1: yeah people were mostly wrong when you asked us that question
2: yeah oh. yeah and so i like, was extremely
1: you know, close but even i was wrong but i was very very close
2: right well <laughs> and i think too that the perspective is different depending on where you live Right. Like if you live in in New Hampshire, it's like what 93 percent white. You know, if you look out at the rest of the world, you know, you might look out at the rest of the country and think, you know, oh, my God, you know, there it's it's like 90 percent black in other places. Right. And of course, the the more granular you go, if you go from like the the nation to to a state, to a county, to towns and so forth, there's incredible variability in this. But I think what we're you know, we just don't have that kind of broader perspective right we don't often have the view from 30,000 feet i think sometimes we don't have a good historical view too and i think what happens is we we all live in our bubbles too so we're not necessarily being exposed to people who you know see the world in different ways to us experience the world in different ways to us and that's problematic
1: shouldn't social media be helping with that i mean shouldn't i feel like social media should help us with bridging gaps that maybe like, if I was, there was no internet and it's just me in New Hampshire. Actually, I had a roast. We, we roasted one of my buddies who does happen to be a black man. Um, it was his 40th birthday and he wanted to do, he's also a podcaster. He wanted to have a roast of him and I hosted it. I told a lot of off color jokes. Uh, it was, it's his request. I was just giving the guy the birthday gift that he wanted. But I think one of those jokes, I was making fun of the fact that I live in New Hampshire. And I think I looked up the statistic. I think it's like 97% white in New Hampshire. So uh, it's like like you said, it's it's pretty... If there was no internet and I'm living here in New Hampshire and I'm like, well, it's 97% of people are Caucasians, um, then maybe I do only get that limited perspective um, yeah. And I don't get that. I feel like social media should be uh, like broadening us by being able to connect us with, I can make friends well, with a black guy in, in Miami. But but it doesn't sometimes, right? Or a lot of times yeah. it doesn't because the algorithm A lot of times it
2: doesn't. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've seen this on both ends of the spectrum in the last few weeks, but, you know, you somebody throws something up on social media and if they get pushback on it, which I think we're less likely to just in terms of the way that we often engage with social media in a way that's um, reinforcing our our personal networks and our personal bubbles and we may not be reaching out to get diverse perspectives but a lot of times what ends up happening is you know people will say well if you don't agree with my opinion unfriend me
0: yeah or I've seen, stop seen a lot of that lately yeah.
2: Right, And
1: I'm a and contrarian. Like, so I'm so like, I'm, like, mean, I'm an on unfa- fire. I agree with you, but guess an, what? You just dared I'm me to.
0: Yeah. So, but it's also an
2: incomplete medium, right? You know, like, like you said earlier about this distance where you and I are speaking, yeah. right. And we're looking at each other on camera, but that's distant. That's weird. Mm. You remove that one step further where you don't see people Yeah, where you feel like you can throw stuff out there mm-hmm. and you can be incendiary or yeah. you can just say something, but then people don't have to respond to it or they can respond to it, yeah. but then it's impersonal and it, it's just, it's flawed. It's super yeah. flawed as a medium. It's great in a lot of ways, but it's, I don't think it's intended for real conversations yeah. about things that mean things to people nuance. Yeah. I mean, and like, I have a rule with social media. I'm not on social media with someone. If I mean Twitter, I follow people and that kind of stuff, but like other social media, I don't follow people. Or I don't engage with people unless I would have them in my home. Okay. That's That's, just my rule.
1: Yeah. It's not a bad rule. I I actually, I, like I said, I don't do a lot of that, but I don't get into the political shit on, I I get on social media and it's just like, Hey, I got a podcast. Listen to my podcast. Do you know what you should download, subscribe, you know, listen, you know, buy a show. People like, dude, shut the fuck up, you know, but at least it's not political. Like all my family's like, dude, leave me the fuck alone. But at least it's not like, I can't Mm -hmm. have you over at Thanksgiving because I don't know. Um, but I, f- I feel and like I'll
2: have a face-to-face conversation, maybe not face-to-face right now, but I'll have a conversation with someone hmm. about pretty much anything.
1: I'll have a mask-to-mask conversation with anybody about anything, yes. anytime, as long as they're 12 feet away and I got a megaphone so they can hear me.
2: Yeah, I'll, yeah. but I'll engage in any sort of conversation with people. And I, I genuinely, you know, I love that. That's one of the yeah. things I love about my, my job and my world. Totally love that. Yeah. Um, though to be fair, I end up doing most of the talking. Yeah.
1: The that's time. welcome to my world. I never
2: should That said, um, but I feel, I feel like it's just, it's too hard to do that with social media and yeah. it makes it worse. Well, it's,
1: this is kind of like the conversation I had with Sally Cohn, um, because it was a lot about how the internet, I mean, if you look at it with rose colored glasses, it's supposed to bring us together and I've got friends all over the country now mm-hmm. and uh, people that I never would have met. I met, and it's really lovely for that. And, um, mm-hmm. Uh, Great. But but it's so easy to be a ruthless dickhead to someone if I don't have to look them in the eye. Yeah. My my interactions in real life, face-to-face with the human beings that I can be in a room with, are like infinitely more pleasant on average. Like the average interaction is so much more pleasant, and you can express nuance. And if I I, um, mince my words, if I don't... um, if I'm not being totally clear, I can back up. You can say, hey, what do you mean? I can back up, Mm -hmm. I can explain. And then we can leave the conversation with a general understanding. And I think that even when we don't agree, you look the person in the eye, you shook their hands, or in my case, you gave them a big old hug at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so much harder to be a ruthless dick to someone under that environment. When it's online... I can be such so, I mean I can be it's the like open season. Yes and you know yeah. what after I've roasted you and told you to go go to hell and fuck your own mother I click the phone's down and I'm watching Netflix It's so I easy to just yeah. yeah it's it's so easy to just tell some boom fuck you I'm out and then drop the mic and walk away.
2: But then we also get that that um that hit right of feeling like well I'm I'm badass cuz yeah. I've just totally bad torched someone. But, and like, so you get that reinforcement, yeah, I just won. Right. And it, we, as a people, we have evolved and our societies have evolved yeah. over millennia to read social cues and yeah. to, you know, to like, look at nuance and to have the, the niceties and the politeness and, you know, and also to engage in the conflict sometimes when we need to but we do it in that way. Like you said, where you go, what do you mean? Do you mean that? Like we kind of give each other the benefit of the doubt a little bit and we do the face saving and we kind of smooth it over or other people will diffuse it and go, all right, Hey, come on, come on. Let's, let's back away from this right now. Or we'll have the pleasantries, pleasantries of distraction. And that stuff doesn't happen with social media.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. You don't, you can't hear the tone of someone's voice. I mean, it's easy for me to type something where I'm joking like i I told you I, I roasted my black friend, and of course, it's a roast, I mean, and we're not it's not why did the chicken cross the road we're we're being pretty mean to each other um and that's good. we, we consent there, we all walked into it, knowing that we were gonna roast right. each other, and that that um you know.
2: And you have a long history of a friendship there, so it's not just coming up out of nowhere. But I
1: wouldn't be able to type that stuff. The stuff that I said Mm -hmm. to my buddy Delvin, I wouldn't be able to type, even saying to him, if I addressed him on Twitter, because then you've got all of his other friends and family that they're just reading this text. They're not hearing the voice, the the context of we're in a humorous environment, this is an hour-long comedy show, and that people are going to tell some off-color jokes. Then it's just kind of like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he saying this shit? And then everybody's just... Right up my ass about what a piece right of shit I am. So, how do you feel about defunding the police in the wake of the 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 George <laughs> Floyd killing? Because that seems like a lot of people are like, "Fuck them, let's get." They're not working for us. And I kind of part of me is like, "Yeah, they're they're they've been doing this job for a long time and they've been fucking it up for a long time." I would have been fired mm-hmm. from my job a long time ago, way before now. I feel like is there a point where we've given them maybe a little too much? You know, like you you had your chance, you had your one million chances, and you know, even with body cams, you're still you, – you're on camera. Your three boys were fucking standing there while you d- – you mm-hmm. didn't think, well, the guy's filming. Maybe I should let this dude live. I mean, uh, do you do you feel like maybe there are um, – there is a way that we could organize – because obviously there are functions of the police that need to be performed. There are community functions. as a social institution. Totally. Um, how yeah. do you feel like that would move forward? I mean, is that a realistic thing? And, and
2: is Well, there- I think it's it- – I think when people are talking about defunding police, they're not often super clear about what they mean, and mm. as a result, yeah. the people who are yeah. hearing that aren't clear what that means. You know, so for instance, the police and it, there's wild variability depending on what level we're talking about, right? Are we talking about state? Are we talking about local? Are we yeah. talking about a major city? Are we talking about a small town? Um, but when we're talking about defunding the police, I think the the nuance comes in with taking a portion of the money that may have gone to the police and Mm. allocating that to other organizations, other entities to fill in the gap. Right. So for instance, the police right now are tasked with an impossible challenge where you call one number
0: Mm.
2: and you are calling that number to get anything that could be like help because someone has fallen and hit their head. To something where somebody might be holding a gun to someone's head, yeah, right. It's it, there's just this incredible um, range of of um, needs. Yeah. So people are calling nine one one for that. Somebody could be calling nine one one and saying, like, somebody's blowing up my house, and it could be because you know they're they're having a, a domestic argument, um, or maybe there's somebody in the house who's mentally ill. Yeah. Or maybe it's something where like, you just don't know, right? But we're we're kind of treating a lot of things as if they're all fixable with one approach. Yeah. Right. And well, at least you, know, yeah, if they're you going hit it on the head
1: first. You hit it on the head. Then you tase right. it. Obviously, like, the, there's there's a list you go down, right? Yeah. 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 I, I see what you mean. You, so
2: I mean that. Like if we had, for instance, if we had better mental health care. Yeah. If we had better domestic abuse resources, if we had um, you know, other facets of society that were funded and were supported and were maintained, then maybe we wouldn't be putting the police in that sort of position. Hmm. So I think if you're talking about defunding the police, I want to know what are people talking about yeah. specifically? Because I mean, I- I've not heard yet anyone come up with a reasonable proposal yeah. to say, let's just get rid of police entirely, yeah. right? That's not what I'm hearing. And yeah. if, you know, if somebody had a reasonable proposal, drag it out, expose it, subject it to, you know, all of the the data behind it yeah. to see if it would work, right? But, you know, we're a complex society. Yeah. We're a complex you know, world and we need, there are functions that the police serve.
1: Yeah. Listen but, to you being reasonable. You know, there
2: are functions that they're not serving well. Yeah. You know, like I, I saw something online, going back to the online thing, right? Um, when, you know, the, it was drawing an analogy to communities of color being reluctant to calling the police. Yeah. And someone said, just like women don't want to call the police when they've been raped. You know, so I think, you know, that kind of idea of if you have other services, if you have other places where people can go mm-hmm. to get help, um, and those are funded as needed in communities that have those needs. Then you kind of take away some of this hotbed yeah. from the police.
1: I think um, I think you had a good point. I mean, we both agree that there are essential um, social institution functions of of a police department of a, of a body that, mm-hmm. or maybe even several um you know interconnected like links on a chain bodies of of these institutions that do these various buckets of work as you've described mm-hmm. and i haven't seen anything i'm i'm with you i haven't seen anything that's um, like lays out, uh, kind of a, a detailed, like, this is what it looks like for us to either defund or disband the police. I think mostly it's fuck the police shit. I've got a wonderful, I'm, yeah. my podcast table here, I stuck stickers all over and I got a wonderful fuck the police, uh, sticker over there. And my wife is always like, why do you say police? I'm like, look, you gotta say police. When you say, fu- I'm I, also, I'm from Atlanta, I'm <laughs> from Georgia, but if you say fuck the police, like the band, what are you talking about? You got to, Wait, like, hold on! You got to you got a beef with the do 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 the da, da da da? Why do you got to beef yeah. with them? I mean, yeah, right. like what's look? But when you say fuck the police, people know what you mean, right? So fuck the police. But I well, think it's that, also
2: hearkening back to the song as well.
1: Absolutely, banger.
2: And the original pronunciation in the song. So. Yeah,
1: and I think that the um, the with with the defunding thing, a lot of like what I worry about if there's not a good plan is that either you you get rid of it. But then you replace it with another social institution that's basically the same thing. It's got a different name and a fresh coat of paint. But it's, it's not uh, an improvement on oh, the current uh, model. We need a new mm-hmm. model not just we're going to call it something else. We're not going to call it police anymore because that's not popular, but they're basically going to be police, but they're just, you know, these guys will still kneel on your neck and they'll still bust in your house two in the morning and shoot you to death for doing fucking nothing. What what a normal person would do anyway, when you bust into their house, we're going to shoot you. But so I, I worry that it's either going to fall into that bucket or that you have like, the private versus public, you know, like we've got public school, mm-hmm. private school. And like, if you're rich, you go to the private schools and you might get right. a little bit better, uh, everything because you're, then you it, it sort of, you, you might. might, you might, I'm being generous. Um, right. But the idea is that, that, um, you might have sort of like, um, again, not that it's not already somewhat like this, but
2: you might say okay, it is like that in many yeah. places now. Well, yeah. But I I think, you know, another thing to think about is, are there ways that improvements can be made in any system to peel back from some of the things that have been happening? I mean, police departments increasingly have been militarized, right? The police response has been a more militarized response when it doesn't always need to be.
0: Hmm. And so I
2: think, like, the the peeling back on some of that, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it needs, um, it needs a nuanced solution.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. And I do like the idea of, of demilitarization, stepping things back a little bit because these guys, you see them out and they're, um, maybe they're, they're out a little bit in force because of the protests and they want to prevent Mm -hmm. things from getting violent. But when you show up dressed like you're on tour of duty in Afghanistan and you're Absolutely. you're like hey guys i'm here to prevent shit from getting violent i'm like dog you look like you're fucking ready for shit to give on like you look like you're right. you look prepared you got a fucking tank i don't think police department should have fucking tanks like i don't know there's that's
2: what i'm saying about the militarization right exactly. and then, so if you have the tank you have to justify using the tank
1: yeah, well exactly right cuz you know uh the the community the via taxes the the uh municipality bought the tank And if I don't blow some shit up in the tank, then they're going to think they wasted their money. Just like me saying the COVID is going to be, I'm going to think if it's a fugazi and I get to leave my house in six years, I'm going to be pissed. Right. And that's because I feel like I bought something and I bought a bill of, I paid for a bill of goods and I didn't get what I paid. That Mm -hmm. is, you're going to feel that way, right? If I don't, if I've got a bazooka, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We're going to have to blow something up with a bazooka. I'm, right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Brown people were shooting a bazooka at you. Cause we got to justify the, the, the price tag, but we got it. Yeah, we got it. Right. I mean, shit. I look, I, I just said, I abhor violence. And if you gave me a bazooka guess who's shooting a fucking bazooka? How badass would I mean? I'd go out into a field and I wouldn't aim at anybody, but, um, you know, like I'd set something,
2: you know, up. I've never shot a bazooka, but I have me shot neither. a potato cannon and yeah. I have to say a potato cannon is really fun.
1: Dude. I, my, my brother, I think got me like Nerf guns for Christmas. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. Do I not look like a guy in his thirties with a kid? But uh, I, I should, you and know, you we, use
2: the Nerf guns, don't we, yeah. you?
1: Absolutely put everything down that we were doing on Christmas day. I was like, stop. I I was like, start start shooting them in the face. It was like, stop doing. So it's like you give something to somebody and what are they going to do? Everything starts to look like a nail. Um, when you magically can turn yourself into a hammer. So, um, I just have one last thing. I appreciate your time and I don't want to take up too, many, too much of it. I usually try to cap these things at about an hour and a half anyway. And I know you got shit to do. I'm sure your glass of gin is near empty or empty and we're probably going to want to refill that. I don't want to hold you back um, from your Friday night festivities. But um, with the um, the George Floyd and the, the sudden um, explosion of activity with protests um, centered around mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter movement... Um, you have a preponderance of large corporations that uh, are coming out in uh, support of that movement, and mm-hmm. um, I, on the one hand, I think that's a good thing, right? I mean, it's it's what is needed to um, to to help ensure that uh, like a real and lasting change is made. Is that the majority of people have to say, "Look, this is fucked up," and it has to change. On the other hand, particularly after hot on the heels of a semester of sociology where we learn about uh, global corporatism and the working conditions of corporate minions in other areas of the globe where labor is outsourced cheaply, Mm -hmm. very cheaply. Why do we outsource labor to India and China? It's because you don't have to pay them American wages and fuck a Mm -hmm. union. They'll whack you out if you try to form a union over there. They'll find your body in the Yangtze River if you try to form a union in China. That's how the CCP handles shit. So um, I can't help but be a little bit cynical. When, When I talk to someone like you, when I talk to someone like my brothers, when I'm talking to a real human being when I'm face to face with with a single unit of person rather than a corporation, which is this large aggregate of persons, like many many units over over this huge uh, corporate structure, I do get a little bit like I. When somebody says I support Black Lives Matter and what I saw was disgusted, disgusted me. I believe you. I unfortunately I do get a little cynical when it's a huge company that says. We we stand with the African-American community. We're completely against um, systemic inequality. And um, I can't help but like read some of these tweets if it's coming from a major corporation and think, okay, I'm translating this into my brain. Cynically, I might add, it's going through my cynic filter. But I'm reading, I want black people and Karens to keep buying my shit and giving me money. That's sort of how it kind of strikes me. Do you think – I mean – is the is the is is taking a stance as a major huge corporation versus I am a, a worker at a corporation and I have my personal views and I wish to support, but like a, a company like Apple, um, Tim mm-hmm. Cook penning an open letter regarding racism, is a is anybody surprised when he says racism racism is bad and it's contrary to Apple's um, uh, corporate values, and then b does that kind of sound like bullshit when the Foxconn workers are making like 75 bucks a week over there in China? And guess what? You guys get a bonus. We're going to put nets on the side of the building so that you don't die when you jump off it. It's, yeah. not, it's not like, hey, we're going to give you an extra 200 yuan this fucking year. It's like, we're going to put a net. So even when you want to die, you can't. Guess what? We're going to pull you out of that net. You will get like an hour to chill. We'll feed you a little green tea and then right back to work, motherfucker. Does that feel... Am I like? Uh, am I crazy? Maybe the question is: Am I fucking crazy for seeing things like this and hearing this, and then reflecting on, "Oh, oh, good job, Tim Cook. Good job. Uh, have fun well, signing." It's
2: not it. crazy within a capitalist system, right? That that is for better or worse, whether people like capitalism or don't like capitalism. Hmm. That's the system we're in,
0: right? Yes. That
2: is the the you know the the world we're we're working in, and so it's an imperative of capitalism to continually seek new consumers for mm. your products to continually drive more profit
1: and retain so, the consumers. No, it makes perfect
2: that you- sense, right? If you want, if you want the black and brown people and the parents to keep buying your product, yeah, you know, you've got to put out the statement and also it it goes back to social media, right? Because if everybody else is putting out the statement and you don't put out the statement, yeah. then it's a guaranteed loss. And also the statements, come on, they're the lowest common denominator. It's the easiest thing for Absolutely. a company to do. It's got to be copy-paste. It's the easiest thing for an individual to do as well, right? It's when it goes to the next step. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, if it's just words, slogans, we stand yeah. with BLM. Platitudes. Right, right. Total platitudes. If
1: it's just... Like like talk is cheap, and that's what I mm-hmm. I grew up believing. Talk is cheap. It's it's one thing to tell someone you support them. It's a complete other thing to act like it's so Do easy it. yeah. to to wish my niece a happy birthday. Yesterday was my niece Emily's birthday. Happy birthday, Emily! Fantastic. Happy birthday, Emily. Facebook reminded me she turned sixteen too. That's amazing. Sixteenth birthday. I mean, I watched this kid yeah. grow up from uh, when she was eight or whatever, when I met her, cause she's, it's my wife's family. So, um, I haven't, it's not one of my brother's kids cause they don't have any. I'm the only one with the, the kid in that, in the Almy side of the family. But, um, regardless, it's very easy for me to wish her a happy birthday on Facebook. Cause Facebook gives me a reminder. Okay. It's so easy. You know, it's a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher for me to get my ass over to the CVS or hit an ATM. I'm going to get you a gift card. I'm going to buy you a card. And not only this, but I'm going to mail it. This is going to surprise you. I like to write messages in cards. I like to hug people. I like to Mm -hmm. write people messages in cards. I don't want it to feel perfunctory. Like I'm just, here's the card, you're supposed to, and here's 20 bucks or whatever, 50 bucks. I want it to feel like I sat down, I wrote a nice message. It doesn't have to be a huge pet, but I'm going to write two or three sentences about how happy I am to know you. And I want to give you a hug next time I see you When this COVID thing is over. I'll take you out for a nice dinner or something. We take Emily to go see the movies and shit like that too. Uh, especially when she was younger. When she was like 12 or 13, it's like, you know, her parents both work and shit. And me and Christina would be like, Hey, it's Saturday afternoon. You want to go see a movie? We take her to go see pitch perfect. I've seen pitch perfect. Cause I got a niece and um, that's just the way it is. It's really not a bad movie. Um, But it's very. I think it's very easy. Talk is cheap. It's very easy to say things like I support a movement. It's it's another thing to cut a check, right? I mean, it's another thing to um, get out there and risk the COVID second wave to to go stand out there and witness it. And um, so that's I think maybe the the source of my cynicism. And then also knowing the whole Foxconn situation with Apple in particular. Um, I, I happen to have researched that a little bit, but I presume other companies are doing Nike and other companies are outsourcing. And, and um, so when they talk about equity and, and doing the right thing over here, but meanwhile in China, it's like, oh, don't worry about that. No one over here is, is concentrating. They're all looking at the uh, COVID and the Black Lives Matter. No one's worried about Foxconn. Right. To me, it's sort of like, are you kind of a hypocrite now? Do you mean anything that you say? Or is that word, does it cheapen his words even more? And to me, a little bit. Um, that's the premise of my next joke, which is to say, I want to I find the one company, one of the older ones. It can be one of the ones that's been around for a lot of Nabisco or Kellogg or some mm-hmm. shit that's been around for a hundred years or more, Coca-Cola company. Find me one fucking company, one company that was saying shit like black lives matter and um, socioeconomic equity is important regardless of race or ethnicity or creed or color or gender, whatever, find me one fucking company that was saying shit like that in the 1950s, I will fucking, they have free sponsorship on this podcast for as long as it lasts for life. They don't have to give me a dime. I will promote them forever on all of the social medias. If you can find me one fucking company that was doing it when it was unpopular, but mm-hmm. you can't. It's ne- you're never going to do it because it's it's just whichever way the wind blows, and that's why I view it very cynically, unfortunately.
2: Well, I think you could say you're a cynic, or you could say you're a realist.
1: Possibly, um, other cynics would call me a realist. Are you a cynic? You can. It's okay if you are a little bit. I mean, I obviously.
2: I, am. I'm kind of a cynical mis- misanthrope, um, and I really am. Um, I don't know if I'm a misanthrope. I don't,
1: I don't think you're know. a misanthrope. You wouldn't deal with a whole bunch of fucktard students every semester if you were a misanthrope, right? You wouldn't deal with I me.
2: I, I, maybe I want to be, but I'm not. Okay. Um, but I, And I tend to be fairly positive. That's something that you wouldn't necessarily get from me. Yeah. Meaning I tend to be fairly positive. But, um, yeah, I think that the the imperatives of capitalism mean that you're not necessarily going to be inclined to say, "Yeah, I support this unpopular cause." Yeah, if it means that your company isn't necessarily going to survive.
0: Yeah, I you
2: know, and so yeah, that's why I say I think you might be a realist. Possibly. It'll be interesting, and like you know, you say that. Is there any one company that's been doing this? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to say categorically that there isn't. Yeah. but I don't know of any. It doesn't come to mind.
1: Well, I meant that as a challenge to any listener out there, if you can find, because we know, we know historically that there were people in the 1950s and the 1960s mm-hmm. that were in favor of uh, of um, improving civil rights, of ending Jim Crow yeah. laws, of, of greater uh, racial integration in things like the school system. There were people that were in favor of that But I don't think there were many large corporations. I don't I mean, maybe the people who own small businesses, their small business might have been in favor of that, fine. But I don't think that there were large corporations that maybe had were publicly traded. I just I that might be the real Well
2: globalization mitigates against that. You know, globalization is it's it's been around for a long time. It's here, but it, it works against the idea of equality and civil rights and humane treatment. It just does. Capitalism in a globalized world just works against that ethos.
1: Anarchy. Fuck yeah. I think I think that's where we can end it. I want to, this is the part
2: the next time though we have to talk about structural racism. We didn't even talk about systemic racism. How did we talk
1: about George Floyd and we didn't talk about systemic racism?
2: Well, we I feel like we, we danced around systemic it. racism. We danced around it. So we this, didn't get is, into it. this is this is actually
1: down on it. well, I'm I'm ready to get down on some systemic racism. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, this is actually the point in the show where I do like to ask: Is there anything else? Is there any other part of this conversation that I don't, particularly with regard to this type of topic? I'm I'm not the uh, authority with with these matters. I am um, possibly um, even learning disabled with regard to these matters. Um, so like lead paint chips in my house as a kid, it's a, it's the real deal. Plus, um, methamphetamine is a hell of a drug and you know, my blood sugar is low. So there's a chance that maybe there are things that have occurred to you over the course of this conversation that did not occur to me and thus did not enter my notes, but I want to like turn the floor over to you. Is there any like final thought that you want to share or anything that you want to add?
2: Oh, there are so many things. Sort of asking like, oh, what's the one nugget? That's, what's wow, the one? That's, that's hard. Because okay. um, there isn't just one nugget. No, I think so much of what's happening in the world is understandable, better understandable if we have an understanding of that it's not just individuals' decisions. You know, I think all too often we we default to that and think mm. that it's about individual people. If they had made different decisions, if they had thought about pull yourself have,
1: up by the bootstraps.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Without, without looking at the, you know, the, all the reasons why the the choices that people have are absolutely constrained by forces outside of their control. And we just like, we're all in our own world, right? We're all facing the constraints in our own lives. Yeah. But the constraints that other people are facing may be entirely different from the ones that we're facing even if they're the, they seem like they're the same hmm. the ability that we have as individuals to act differently in those constraints is something that is largely invisible to us that, so sounds, like, easy. that
1: sounds, sounds like that sounds like empathy is the name of that game
2: it is i i define sociology as the as you well know right the um the causes and consequences of socially patterned inequalities but I think that one of the things that happens as a side effect of studying sociology is that you develop more empathy because yeah. if you understand that it isn't just about an individual's choices, but it's about things that are um, hindering or helping our ability to act in the ways that we would like to, to have a good life for ourselves and our families, then you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe I should understand that person a little more. Maybe I should understand that group a little more. So So, I think we need an awful lot more empathy in the world.
1: Just to be like half a Taoist for a second here. Um, is there, is it that, and Adam Simmons is going to love this, uh, yin and yang, because I'm not going to say yang for him. I'm going to say yin and yang (laughs) because I'm cultured. You swine, Adam, I say things properly. Okay. I don't talk like, New Jersey, just because I came down there and did mushrooms with you one time. You expect me to talk like you? Eat those fucking spam sandwiches on croissant rolls that you eat? It's disgusting. All right. I'm anyway, is it uh, like I think maybe the reason why, uh, uh, again, a certain segment likes to focus on the like, put some effort in and pick yourself up by the bootstraps and uh, the merit, uh, the idea that the meritocracy, and I think. Maybe some people really focus on, like, you need to be doing things a certain way, and you need to work hard, and then you need to have the merit Mm -hmm. in order to succeed. I think, um, you know, then other people might focus a little bit more on, like, you have a certain set of socioeconomic conditions that are um, oftentimes out of your control, at least partially, sometimes all of it is there is it kind of a yin and yang that these things kind of work together? Like, um, I have a certain socioeconomic um, status, and that means that maybe it's not as easy for me to attend college as somebody else who's got mom and dad paying for it. But then Mm -hmm. um, it's also important that I like study. I still have to open the book. I still have to show up to class. I have to uh, engage. And, And then part of it is the socioeconomic factors that are going to be unique to each individual and that Yours might be different from mine, might be different from Bobby Moore's, Mm -hmm. um, but that there's a little interplay of both, and that
2: absolutely, yeah, like I don't think any sociologist would say that there's no personal decision making and no personal responsibility and no personal agency, Mm -hmm. right? Because you still got to do with what you've got. But for some people, the exercise of agency is a little easier. Yeah, you know, and but it's easy too to see individual effort or the lack thereof. And to think that that's the end all be all because social structural stuff is largely invisible to us. It's hard to see it.
1: Yeah. 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 It's easy to not be aware of it. It, it operates in the background. Yeah. It's backstage. It's the code your mm-hmm. computer runs on. You're not looking at MS-DOS. You're not looking at, it's like the the matrix code. It's the
2: matrix. Yeah, exactly. It's the matrix. And oh. it's, it's invisible to us. See, if you were this, here,
1: we could high five. We could, I could get all excited. We
2: yeah. I'm high five the camera.
1: Okay. That yeah, was, a uh, matrix. That, yeah, incredible shit. All right. I'm going to end it there. Um, but I am going to promise to, uh, talk to you again on this podcast. Groovy. Um, really Fantastic. Any, anytime you want, um, anytime some weird shit happens and, um, someone gets killed inappropriately by a social institution or, um, like, I don't know, anarchy bombs go off. I don't Society crumbles. We'll podcast the, the, uh, very end of our society
2: the revolution will not be televised the revolution will be podcasted
1: and maybe we'll live stream it too there's no reason they can't look at my beautiful long hair there you go i'm here i bought a light so we could live stream this shit any uh uh, final anything do you want anyone to email you do you want anybody to hit you on twitter anything like that do you want to anything you want to plug do you want anybody to do something go donate money to any cause do you want to plug something
2: Oh, my goodness. That's a, a thing that came out of nowhere. Uh, it's just an option. Book. I'm
1: just throwing that out read there. A book,
2: be a decent human being.
1: Don't be a dick face. Okay, here's my outro music. I love this song.
0: Low voice. I was in the crib when my balls dropped. Earthquake when they hit, bro, they split rocks. Now my girl's hotter than on summer asphalt. If she turn me down, God knows that it's her loss. Everybody can
1: still hear you right now.
0: Baby number, baby yeah, sometimes I talk over this uh, outro to encourage people to keep listening.